Welcome to Twisted Tales of Madness and Murder Presents. Chapters. Our tale opens at a busy restaurant during the lunch rush, and we find Brandon Shaw, who is in his 30s, wearing jeans, black t-shirt, and an old worn out Boston Red Sox hat. His agent, Tony Williams, who is also in his 30s, dressed in a standard black business suit, sits across from him. It just really pisses me off because now I have to jerk around with the insurance company about getting that damn window in my car fixed. I gotta put several bills out because some lowlife asshole wanted my fucking spare change. We are certainly living in fucked up times and I feel for you, but could we please get back to the point of this lunch? Did you read it? Tony pauses for a moment as he stares at Brandon. I did read it. Tony reaches down and pulls a thick manuscript out of his briefcase and drops it on the table with a disappointed look on his face as Brandon looks down at the manuscript, then at Tony. What the fuck is with that face? You told me you didn't like it or something? Tony, pondering his answer, runs his hand across his clean-shaven face. I could answer this in so many ways right now. But I am guessing you would prefer my straightforward, honest opinion. Yes. Tony takes a deep breath, then taps his finger on the manuscript. This thing is terrible. It is a straight-up train wreck. I could barely get through it. Insulted, a scowl creeps across Brandon's face as he leans back in his chair. Wow. I really can't believe you would say that. I could sit here all day blowing smoke up your ass and telling you how good it was, crossing my fingers that you can write a better one. But I've already tried that approach on your last three books. And look what it's gotten me. Tony waves his hand dismissively over the manuscript. Wait a second here. You're telling me my last couple of books have sucked? Don't act like you didn't know that. For Christ's sake, just go over your sales figures and you'll see just how bad. Your numbers are in the toilet. I had to fight tooth and nail just to get your last one published, telling them how the next one is going to blow them away. Brandon stares at Tony, dumbfounded. I want nothing more than to get Brandon Shaw back on top of the charts where he belongs. Tony taps the manuscript. Unfortunately, this will not be the book that does that. Brandon, angry, hits the table, then points at the manuscript. You have no idea what the fuck you're talking about, Tony. This is a solid book with a great story and great characters. Do you even have a clue how hard it is to do what I do? Tony, embarrassed, glances around the restaurant. Dude, you really need to dial it down because people are starting to watch. Brandon leans across the table. I don't give a fuck. Let them watch. What the fuck do you want from me? I want what I always want from you. I want a number one bestseller. This is it. Scott, in his 20s, wearing skater attire, walks up to the table and looks down at Brandon, who looks up at him, irritated. Yes? Is there something I can help you with? You wouldn't by chance happen to be Brandon Shaw, would you? Yes. Seriously? You're Brandon Shaw, the author? I'm kind in the middle of something right now. Did you want a book signed or something? <laughs> a book signed? No. What I actually want is a refund for that hunk of shit you called your last book. Excuse me? It was horrible. I've actually read better things on a bathroom wall, and we're talking just several words. Is that so? 
Well, thanks a million for your review and all. Now, if you wouldn't mind, I'm kind of in the middle of a meeting here that I need to get back to. No problem, man. Scott continues to stare at Brandon. What? So, I'm not gonna get my refund? Brandon shakes his head in frustration, then gives Scott the finger. How's that for a refund? Scott, insulted, leans back. You're a total asshole, man. I'll make sure to look for your next book in the bargain bin, because that's where it's gonna end up. See you around, Brandon Shaw. Scott walks over to a table across the restaurant, sitting down by himself and glaring back at Brandon, who turns back to Tony. Holy shit. Can you believe that fucking kid? What a little prick. Tony just shrugs his shoulders. Why are you shrugging your shoulders? You, you think he's actually right? You think I'm some kind of has-been? Tony holds his hands up. What I think is that once a good writer, always a good writer. That will never change. However, what does change, though, is the motivation needed to draw out the material. Tony picks up the manuscript. You can sit there and be pissed at me all you want, but it's my job to get the best stuff I can get out of you. Brandon shakes his head in frustration. I want you to go back to the drawing board and try again, because this thing is not the Brandon Shaw I know. If I submit this thing, you are looking at career suicide. Tony stands up. You're fucking kidding, right? You expect me to go back home and bang out a new book? Just like that? That's exactly what I expect. Because if you don't, then this could be the end of Brandon Shaw. Brandon laughs as Tony <laughs> pulls out a 50 and tosses it on the table. You just need to dig down deep and tap back into that creative energy you once had. You'll come up with something great, I just know it. Tony walks out. Then Brandon gets up and walks toward the exit, noticing Scott still glaring at him. Brandon again gives him the finger as he walks out. Brandon, in just his boxers, lays on a bed with Rachel, who is an attractive brunette in her twenties, who is naked and draped over him. Rachel drags her red-painted fingernails across Brandon's chest. You do like fucking me, right? Of course I do. What the hell kind of stupid question is that? Why would you ask that? I'm just making sure. Do I fuck better than your wife? I'm pretty sure you already know the answer to that one, baby. I want to hear you say it. Yes, you fuck better than my wife. Rachel smiles when all of a sudden Brandon's phone goes off, indicating he has a new text message. Brandon reaches down and pulls his phone out of his pants pocket. Who is it? Sarah. Speak of the devil and they will come texting. What the hell does she want? Brandon reads the text. She's wondering where I am and why I'm out so late. Well, shit, that's an easy one. Just tell the bitch you're getting the tightest and best pussy of your life by this smoking hot chick with rock-solid tits and a banging ass. Brandon shakes his head. Something tells me that just wouldn't go over so well with her. Don't be such a pussy about it. Just give me the phone and I'll do all the work for you. Rachel sits up and reaches for the phone, but Brandon moves it away. What is wrong with you tonight? You know that I can't possibly let you do that. Rachel sighs as she lays her head on Brandon's lap. I really wish you could see how much that bitch is dragging you down. It drives me fucking nuts how she treats you. I would never be anything like her or treat you so shitty. 
Brandon runs his hand along Rachel's curvaceous body. I've gone over this like a million times. I can't leave her because I can't put the kids through such a traumatic experience. That's a load of shit and you know it. They actually say that staying together for children tends to do them more harm in the long run. That it's unhealthy for them. Rachel taps the side of her head. Really fucks them up in the old noodle. Also, just think, if we were together, I could suck your cock whenever you wanted, baby. Rachel runs her hand over Brandon's groin, but Brandon quickly grabs it and moves it away. I can't have this conversation with you again, especially not tonight. I gotta get going. Brandon slides off the bed and gets dressed as Rachel lays on her back, slowly running her fingers around her erect nipples. You gotta get going. Are you sure you really want to leave right now, baby? Brandon glances down at his watch. It's late. I need to get home. Can I text you later? Rachel grabs the sheets and pulls them over her chest as she rolls her eyes. Sure. Whatever. Brandon leans down to kiss Rachel, but she moves her head away. What are you doing? You don't have time for that. You gotta hurry up and run back home. You wouldn't want to miss a chance of that bitch treating you like shit and making your life miserable, Mr. Shaw. Come on, what the fuck are you doing? Don't act like that. Rachel turns away from Brandon. Just get the fuck out already. Don't worry about me. You got what you wanted. Brandon reaches down and grabs his keys off the nightstand, then walks out as Rachel turns and glares at the door, then punches her pillow. Brandon, drunk, sits at a bar drinking whiskey as John Porter, in his forties, the bartender, with a pencil tucked behind his ear, walks up and puts a bowl of peanuts in front of Brandon. What's up with you tonight, Brandon? Looks like somebody took a giant shit in your Frosted Flakes or something. Brandon holds up his empty glass. Life can be a real motherfucker sometimes, my friend. Ain't that the fucking truth. But here's a nickel's worth of free advice. Life is like a sore dick. Sometimes you just can't beat it. John fills up Brandon's glass. How long have we known each other, John? Christ on a bike. That's a good question. Shit, I'd, I'd guess I would say going on nine years, give or take. I ask you a question. Will you tell me the truth? Come on now. You know I would never sugarcoat shit. What's up? What do you think of my books? Your books? How so? Do you like them? John pours himself a shot and quickly downs it. Honestly, I've never read one of the fucking things. Brandon, puzzled, takes a drink. The fuck out of here. What do you mean you've never read one? Why in the hell are you always bugging me for signed copies of them, then? Because with your signature on them, those suckers fetch a pretty penny on eBay. Well, the old ones did, anyway. The new ones you've been putting away don't sell for shit. Brandon, laughing, holds <laughs> up his drink. Well, it's host to the old ones, then. John pours another shot and toasts with Brandon, who then slams his glass down as John grabs the glass and fills it back up. Uh, this one's on me. For real? Don't start getting all soft on me now, John. Don't worry about that happening. I was just figuring I would get you all liquored up, then let you jump behind the wheel of your car and get yourself wrapped around a fucking tree. Then all those books will go through the roof. Even those shitty new ones. 
Brandon stares at John, who laughs. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm just fucking with you. Do me a solid and watch the front for a couple of minutes while I run some shit in the back. Brandon looks around the empty bar. No problem. John picks up a case of Jack Daniels and carries it into the back as Brandon's phone rings. Now what? Brandon reaches down and flips his phone over, finding that the caller is anonymous. Anonymous? What the fuck? Brandon puts his drink down, then picks up his phone and answers it. Hello? Good evening, Brandon Shaw. Who the hell is this? Is this Tony? You can just call me a concerned fan. Concerned fan? How the fuck did you get my number? You'll be surprised at what I have of yours, Mr. Shaw. You know what? I'm not in the mood for this shit tonight. Why don't you go harass Stephen King or Clive Barker? Brandon hangs up and tosses his phone on the bar, then reaches for his drink when the phone rings anonymous again. Gotta be kidding me. Brandon, angry, grabs his phone and answers it. Listen, asshole, I already told you. Brandon is caught off guard by the sound of a girl crying. Hello? Help us, Daddy. Miranda? The phone is silent. Miranda? I told you that you would be surprised by what I have of yours, Mr. Shaw. I don't know who this is, what you're trying to do, but if you touch her, I will tear your fucking head off. You can go ahead and stop with the frivolous threats, as they will not help your situation. Or your family's, for that matter, Mr. Shaw. You are fucked. I'm calling the cops. If you truly feel that is the right thing to do in this moment, then by all means do so. But be warned, if you make that call, you will never see Sarah, Miranda, Zach, or Emily alive again. What the fuck did you just say? Going forward from this very moment, and the way you handle yourself in this situation, Mr. Shaw, will determine the level of harm that may or may not fall upon your loved ones. Do we have an understanding now? Yes, we do. Now, what do you want? Simply put, I would like you to write me a bestseller. Want me to write you a book? Not just a book, Mr. Shaw, but your best book. I... We are wasting valuable time, so I strongly suggest that you get up and go home, so that we may begin the process. Home? Unless you think you have everything you could possibly need to write a bestseller sitting at that dingy bar? Brandon slowly looks around the empty bar. You're watching me? Mr. Shaw, be advised that I will be monitoring your every move. So try in any manner to contact the authorities, or anybody for that matter seeking help, and I will personally find out if Miranda is a virgin. You sick motherfucker. Don't you fucking touch her. Again, your actions will dictate my actions. Okay, for Christ's sake, I'm going. Mr. Shaw, take a deep breath and please keep your composure as nothing has happened yet. Just keep on task and follow my every direction, and a happy family reunion will be in your not-so-distant future. Can I please talk? The phone goes dead. Shit! Brandon gets up and runs out of the bar as John walks out of the back room, just in time to see Brandon tear out of the parking lot. Fucking riders. Brandon busts through the front door of his large two-story house.
Sarah? Miranda? Zachary? Brandon runs into the dark living room, then up the stairs. Emily! Brandon opens the doors to each of his children's rooms, finding them dark and empty. Then he storms into the master bedroom. Brandon stops suddenly in the doorway when he finds the bedroom in shambles and blood on the bed. Oh, my God. Sir. Brandon's phone rings, causing him to pull it out, finding the anonymous caller again, which he answers. Yes? I have already told you that I have all your loved ones, so you can stop running around like some kind of manic. I assure you, they will not be found. You're a fucking liar. You said nobody would get hurt if I did what you said. Why is there blood all over the bed? Unfortunately, your wife was a little reluctant to follow my direction, so she required some low-level persuasion to fall in line. What did you do to her? All you need to know is that she is alive. For now. Do you want money? I, I, I can give you what I have. Just let them go. I have no interest in your money, Mr. Shaw. Didn't I already inform you what it is that I am requesting? This isn't possible. What you are asking for just can't happen. Have faith in your ability, Mr. Shaw. I would like the first chapter by morning. I can't do it. I have no idea what's even right about. Perhaps the present I left for you on your kitchen table will help supply you with the needed inspiration. <laughs> the phone goes dead. Brandon steps into the kitchen and finds a medium-sized hat box with a bright red bow on top of it, sitting in the middle of the table. Brandon surveys the kitchen, then slowly walks over to the table, studying the box, and with his shaking hand, he grabs the edge of the lid and carefully lifts it off, revealing Rachel's crudely severed head. Fuck! Brandon, terrified, drops the lid as he stumbles backwards, slamming into the refrigerator, causing coupons and magnets to shower down on him as he slumps to the floor. Yeah, God, this can't be happening. Brandon covers his face with his hands, then slowly slides them down as he looks up at the telephone hanging on the wall. What the fuck is wrong with me? I, I, I gotta call the cops. Brandon, using the refrigerator for support, gets to his feet and reaches for the phone, but jumps back, startled, when it suddenly rings. Brandon allows it to ring several times before finally answering it. Hello? Mr. Shaw, I was under the impression that we had an understanding of one another. We do. If that is true, then why were you just about to pick up the phone? Perhaps you were considering ordering a pizza? Brandon, nervous, looks around the kitchen. I wasn't going to call anybody. I wish I could believe you, Mr. Shaw. But we both know that is a lie. You've neglected to follow my very simple directions, so now you force my hand, and I must apply disciplinary action immediately. Well, I, I swear I wasn't going to call anybody. You need to listen. Very carefully, Mr. Shaw. Just wait a fucking second, okay? Brandon listens as Miranda can be heard screaming. Stay the fuck away from me. Don't touch me, asshole. Leave her alone. Don't you fucking touch her. Miranda lets out a blood-curdling scream. 
then is heard crying. I really hope you didn't have any aspirations of her being an award-winning pianist because of your actions and your actions alone. She is now missing a key appendage necessary for that profession. You motherfucker, I'm going to kill you. I suggest you harness that anger and get to writing already. The clock is a-ticking. First chapter by morning, Mr. Shaw. The phone goes dead. Brandon sits at a desk in his home office, staring at a blank screen, then glances over at a clock that glows 2 a.m. when his cell phone suddenly rings with a call from Anonymous. Yes? Brandon? Sarah, are you, are you okay? He cut, he cut off our baby's hand. He's going to kill us and... Sarah, I truly hate to be a nag here, Mr. Shaw, but it's already been several hours and you've yet to produce a single word. Did the severed head of your mistress not provide you with any inspiration? You have no... Check your email. Now. Brandon clicks on his email, finding one titled Family Photos. What are you waiting for? Open it already. Brandon clicks on it, revealing a photo of Sarah, wearing only a torn pair of bloody panties, huddled in the corner of a dilapidated graffiti-covered dark and dirty room. Brandon, furious, makes a fist as a photo of his son, Zach, eight, and his youngest daughter, Emily, seven, both wearing their pajamas, sit tied together on a wet, filthy concrete floor with duct tape stretched out across their eyes and mouths, pops up. Brandon's eyes fill with tears as that photo is replaced with a photo of Miranda sitting on the floor, slumped against a table. A pool of blood oozes out from her stump of a wrist, her severed hand now resting on top of the table. First chapter by 6 a.m., Mr. Shaw. The phone goes dead. Brandon, with bloodshot eyes, stares at the computer screen, then at the clock that reads 5.40 a.m., then looks around the room. I I'm all done. What do you want me to do? Brandon's phone rings, which he quickly answers. Please, go ahead and attach the file to the email with the photos and send it. Before I send shit, you're going to let me talk to my family. Mr. Shaw, at what point in these early morning hours did you start to believe that you were in some kind of position to demand anything from me? Listen, asshole, I did what you wanted, and I did it with 20 minutes to spare, so let me talk to them. How about we meet in the middle of the road? and I let you hear their screams of pain. Will that fulfill your need? Wait, I'll send it. The phone remains silent. I said I'll send it. I'm waiting. The phone goes dead as Brandon attaches the file and sends it. Brandon paces in front of his desk, gripping his phone tightly in his hand, and jumps when it suddenly rings, almost dropping it, before answering it. Yes. I am truly in shock at this moment, and I can't fathom why you're not taking this seriously. What are you talking about? You wanted a first chapter, and that's what I gave you. What you gave me lacked any kind of passion or direction. It just will not do. 
Perhaps knowing that your daughter will not see her sweet 16 will get your creative juices flowing. Wait, wait, I, I can do better, I promise. Just give me another chance. Miranda's screams fill the phone's receiver, followed by a gurgling sound. Miranda? The phone is silent. I just slit your daughter's throat and watched her bleed out. She's dead. You have three hours to get me the first chapter that I want, or I start playing with Zach or Emily. The phone goes dead as Brandon leans over and vomits, then falls to his knees, crying. Brandon stares at the computer screen that flashes, email sent, when his phone rings, which he quickly scoops up and answers. Very well done, Mr. Shaw. This is the beginning of something great. I am literally on the edge of my seat waiting for chapter two. Can I please talk to my family now? As much as I would like for you to be able to do that, I just can't allow it. I feel it would be too much of a distraction, especially now that we've got you on the right course. Please. Give me 15 more chapters like this one, and you can talk to them until you're blue in the face for all I care. Please. The phone goes dead. We find Brandon, exhausted, his face covered in stubble and wearing a sweat-stained T-shirt, sitting in front of his computer ten days later. He is surrounded by plates of half-eaten food and is mumbling incoherently to himself. He types out, the end, at the bottom of the page, then emails it. There you go, motherfucker. Now give me my family back. Brandon, woozy, grabs a framed photo of his family off his desk and holds it against his chest, slowly drifting off to sleep. Brandon is startled awake by his phone ringing, causing the photo to slip off his chest and go crashing to the floor as he answers the phone. I'm, I'm here. Bravo, Mr. Shaw, bravo. I must say it has been an absolute pleasure working with you. An experience of a lifetime I will never forget. Where's my family? You will find an envelope on your kitchen table with the address to the location of your family. On my table? If I was you, I would strongly suggest doing something with that maggot-infested head. It is giving off one horrendous odor. Brandon stands up, but has to hold onto the desk to keep from falling over. You've outdone yourself with this book, Mr. Shaw. It is by far your best work. You will change the literary landscape. Go fuck yourself. Brandon hangs up the phone and hurries out of the room. Brandon quickly covers his nose as he walks into the kitchen, finding a manila envelope laying next to the hat box that he grabs and tears open, pulling out the directions. Brandon's car speeds up to a dilapidated two-story warehouse with the majority of its windows busted out. Brandon stops right in front of the main doors as he looks out at the building, then grabs a butcher knife off the passenger seat and gets out. Brandon walks up to one of the busted-out windows and looks in. Sarah? Brandon waits for a response, but gets none as he carefully opens the door and with the knife out in front of him, steps in. 
Brandon scans the dimly lit warehouse that is littered with dangling wires, rebar, busted up concrete, and reeks of mold and urine. He notices two closed doors on the other side of the warehouse and makes his way toward them, but stops when he notices a table with a severed hand on it. Miranda! He walks over to the table and finds Miranda's lifeless body laying in a pool of her own blood, causing his eyes to fill with tears as he leans down and gently runs his fingers along her cheek. So sorry, baby. A noise coming from behind one of the closed doors draws his attention. Brandon clears the tears away from his eyes, then walks over to the door carefully putting his ear against it and listening, then takes a step back and kicks the door open. Brandon steps into the dimly lit room, finding a table in the middle of the room with an open laptop sitting on it with a mic and program for changing voices and a digital camera resting atop a tripod. Brandon slowly steps up to the table when he notices Sarah crouched in the corner of the room, dressed only in torn and bloodied panties with her hands and feet bound. Oh my God, Sarah. Sarah struggles to lift her head. Is that you, Brandon? Brandon charges over. It's me, baby. Where are Emily and Zach? I'm not sure. I think maybe he put them in the other room. I have not seen them for some time now. Who did this to you? He killed Miranda. He killed our baby. Who? Sarah struggles to stay conscious as Brandon unties the ropes. Stay with me, Sarah. What in the fuck is going on? Brandon spins around, finding Tony wearing jeans and t-shirt, standing in the doorway. Jesus, Brandon. You okay? Sarah cringes in the corner. (laughs) Stay away from me, asshole! Sarah looks at Brandon. Don't let him hurt me anymore. Brandon stands up, holding the knife out at Tony. You sick motherfucker. You kill my daughter and torture my wife for a fucking book. Where are my other kids? Tony puts his hands up. Wait a fucking second here. What are you talking about? Is that Sarah? Sarah huddles in the corner, terrified. He's gonna kill all of us. Tony takes a step toward them but Brandon forces him back with the knife. Don't you fucking move. Not one fucking step. I don't know what the hell is going on here, but you need to relax, Brandon. I got a message that you wanted to meet here. What are you talking about? What message? Can't you see what he's doing? He's lying! Brandon looks back at Sarah, then at Tony. How could you do this to my family? You killed Miranda! Brandon, with the knife out in front of him, takes a step toward Tony. Slow down. Miranda's dead? I didn't do anything to your family. What we need to do is call the police and get whatever is happening here under control. Tony slowly reaches into his pocket and pulls out his phone, dialing as Brandon watches him intently. I'm going to get... Sarah suddenly springs up and grabs the knife out of Brandon's hand and drives it into Tony's chest, causing him to drop the phone and fall to his knees. 
Sarah grabs the phone as a voice can be heard from it and smashes it against the wall. What are you doing? Sarah ignores Brandon as she turns to Tony, who is clutching his bloody chest. Help me. Sarah kneels down in front of Tony and looks him in the eyes. <laughs> your inability to do your job and get my husband to write the materials necessary to stay on top is what has put you in this unfortunate position. I'm sorry to say, but your services will no longer be required. Sarah, wait! Sarah stabs Tony several more times in the chest, then shoves his body over with her bare foot and watches it crumple to the floor, then turns to a shocked Brandon. We would have had a lot more time to prepare, but since you couldn't get your fucking hand off the chicken switch and kill that son of a bitch, we're gonna need to get our story straight. Because this place will be crawling with cops in no time. Prepare? Get our story straight? What the hell are you talking about, Sarah? When the police arrive, you're going to tell them that you got here just in time to stop him from killing the rest of us. The two of you got into a scuffle. Sarah looks Brandon over. Fuck. You're gonna need to look the part. Sarah flips the knife around in her hand and slams the butt of it against Brandon's face, knocking him back, then flips the knife back around and stabs Brandon in the arm. That looks much better. So, during the scuffle, Tony was able to knock the knife out of your hand, which allowed me to pick it up and stab him. Brandon, holding his bloody arm, looks at the computer, then at Sarah. You did all this? Did you really think I was just going to sit back and allow you to continue to write shit and have us fall further and further down the social ladder? That money from your first two books is basically gone. Every book after just kept getting worse and worse. I knew you were fucking that cum dumpster downtown, and the only reason I allowed it was because I thought it could help get your shit together. What is wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Nothing. I've grown accustomed to an expensive lifestyle, and I will be damned if I have to walk around wearing anything purchased from a department store. That's not going to happen. Jesus Christ, Sarah, you killed our daughter! When it's all said and done, she was expendable. She was merely a pawn. A pawn? Like in chess. In order to make big moves, you gotta be willing to sacrifice a few pawns. What I did needed to be done. Besides, we have two more, so stop your bitching. I, I can't believe you're talking like this, Sarah. You've gone completely off the fucking deep end. Nothing is worth this. Sirens can be heard approaching as Sarah jabs the knife at Brandon, causing him to jump. You spineless pussy. In the pursuit of fame and fortune, nothing is off limits. This book I've gotten you to write is going to be a bestseller. Yet you stand there and act like you have no desire to reach that plateau again. Of course I want to be a bestseller again, but not like this! Well, I hate to be the messenger of bad news and all, but had I not orchestrated these current events, you'd still be cranking out dog shit and fucking that little twat. Sarah taps the tip of the knife against her head. The more I think about it, the more I think I should start my own management agency. 
Shit. It seems I've got the knack to get people to do what needs to be done. Sarah holds her hands out. This is a prime example of my talents. This chaos is going to create such a buzz around this book. People are drawn to tragedy like flies to shit, and when they hear what that man did to your poor family and the heinous things they had to endure, they'll be buying this book in droves. Hell, I can practically guarantee Hollywood will be begging for the rights. I can't let you get away with this, Sarah. Sarah points the knife at Brandon's face. You're so pathetic. You don't think I've planned for this little scenario? I can easily spin all of this madness to fall on your shoulders in a heartbeat. A struggling writer desperate for a story tortures his family and tries to frame his manager. Sarah snaps her fingers. Oh, and on top of that, the knife used to cut that bitch's head off just so happens to be yours and is covered in your prints. I'm sure a young white guy like yourself will get plenty of cock shoved up his ass in prison. I can't imagine the thought of shitting cum is very appealing. Brandon stares at Sarah, speechless. So, you gonna start stocking up on the lube or you gonna play ball, bitch? Brandon looks at his bloody arm, then at the computer, then at Tony, then at Sarah. Fine, we go with your story. The sirens can be heard getting closer as Sarah smiles. I had a feeling you would see things my way. However, there is one minor detail I would like to change in the story as I feel it will really help sell it. And what would that be? The sirens can be heard pulling up to the warehouse, causing Sarah to turn her attention to the doors. Brandon suddenly springs forward and snatches the knife out of Sarah's hand, and she spins around trying to grab it back. But Brandon quickly drags it across her throat. Sarah clutches her neck, trying to stop the waterfall of blood that is pouring out and filtering through her fingers as she staggers back. I really wish I could have gotten here sooner and stopped that maniac before he slit your throat and let you bleed out like a stuck pig. Sarah takes several more chaotic steps before collapsing to the floor. I think having the wife get killed as well will really pull on the heartstrings. What do you think? Sarah looks up at Brandon and opens her mouth. But all that comes out is blood right before she dies. Brandon drops the knife and kneels down next to Sarah and cradles her head as several police officers charge into the room. David, a top-rated talk show host, dressed in a suit and tie, sits behind a large desk that has a copy of Brandon's new book, dealing with the unexpected, displayed at the front of it. David picks up the book and holds it out to the audience. Oh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I love my studio audience. Listen, we have a special guest for you tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest this evening is the author of the number one bestseller, Dealing with the Unexpected. <laughs> That's right. Applause, definitely. He is a hell of an author. Now, this book has been on top of the charts for, listen to this, 32 straight weeks and is currently in pre-production as a feature film. Please welcome to the show tonight, we have Brandon Shaw. 
David turns his attention to a set of curtains as Brandon steps out. Wearing relaxed attire and walks over to a couch that sits next to the desk and shakes David's hand before sitting down. <laughs> oh, great to meet you, Brandon. Hey, please have a seat. Listen, the, the audience, as you can tell, they love you. And, and, and I got to tell you, I was mesmerized by this book. I mean, from front to back. I, I can't even fathom the things, the emotions, what you, what you went through just to write this. It was extremely difficult. But when you're put in such a situation, you realize you'll do whatever needs to be done for your family. There wasn't a day that goes by that I don't think about my daughter and wife and the unimaginable things that man put them through. That's why this book and everyone after is going to be dedicated to them and their memory. Brandon sits looking over the crowd, soaking in all the applause from them and smiling. This concludes the Twisted Tale chapters. Remember to keep those ears open for upcoming episodes of Twisted Tales of Madness and Murder Presents.